Good morning, church. So good to see you. I'm, uh, I'm excited about today. We start a new series. It's a mini series, meaning it's really just a long sermon because uh, it's two Sundays. So uh, you know how that will go. But on week three is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. So I'm excited about that. So I really can't go over on this series. So you have my guarantee that this is going to be a two-part, two-Sunday series. Uh, I'm so excited to see you. I also am excited to see everyone online today. Thank you for joining us. Um, Why don't we go ahead and and just take out our phones. Go ahead. It's okay to do that in church. No one is going to slap your hand. Take out your phones. Go ahead and go to our Facebook page or YouTube or, I don't know, website and share that online to all of your friends. Go ahead and uh, just this this is the best way right now to reach people that aren't in service with you. You can let them know that they can join us today on March 26th of 2023 as we talk about social media. So go ahead and share the stream. If you're watching online, go ahead and share, like, subscribe, all of that stuff. Uh, The more engagement that you do with our social media by the way, the more that other people see it. So even if you're sitting in the room today, go ahead and like the stream, comment on it, uh, just participate and play along. Play along with the algorithms, okay? Uh, we want other people to see what God is doing among us here at the Exchange Church. The Exchange Church, a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing here. Nice. Yes, if you just turn that volume down on your phone. Unless you need to hear the sermon twice, you can hear it once here and then 10 seconds later right there. Some of you may need this sermon twice. That's okay. Um, Wow, that was cool. Social faith is the series that we're in today, that we're beginning. I believe that social media is a useful tool to spread the gospel. Okay, that's the framework from which we're discussing this today. I actually think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful tool. I know some of you are anti-social media. Uh, I'm not at all. I'm very cautious with it, and I'll explain a bit of that throughout our time together today. But having three grandkids uh, 12 hours or more away, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to interact socially with them. Uh, River and Rumi, my granddaughters in Australia, I've never touched their skin before, uh, but I see them multiple times a week on a screen, um, and I follow their own, River and Rumi have their own little Instagram channel that no one else can see but, you know, family, and so I get to kind of stalk them and love everything and give little comments, so I'm grateful I'm very grateful for social media. I think that I get to enjoy sweet everyday moments with family and friends that would not have been possible 20 years ago. So this is not a beat up social media sermon. Can I get an amen from the room today? Okay, good. Um, I suppose that this series could be sifted down to what I would call the golden rule for social media. Everything I'm going to say today could come down to this one Very critical sentence. Tweet others the way you want to be tweeted. I know, 
that was super corny. I'm going to get harassed by that at some point today, I know. Uh, but anyway, since we're talking about social media, you've already used your powers for good and shared the stream. Um, I do have to give you a disclaimer that, that this is not a self-help talk. All right? I'm, I'm not Oprah. I am not Dr. Phil. Uh, this is not self-help. I'm not going to get you more followers in this sermon. I'm not going to help you become an influencer. I'm not going to help you go viral. I'm not going to help you get a paycheck from one of the big corporations. Um, I'm not even really going to tell you how to stay safe on the interwebs. All right. This is not self-help. This is actually a spiritual discussion that we're having today. A very spiritual discussion where we're going to look at God's word and what it says about social media and how you and I should interact with it. And so since this is a spiritual conversation today, it's not a technical one. It's not a creative one. It's a spiritual one. Let's invite Holy Spirit to the table today. Father, we come before you. I thank you so much for our time together. What uh, few minutes we have. God, I know that you can take these 29 minutes, these 30 minutes, and you can just totally revolutionize our hearts. You can enlighten our souls. God, you can give us so much grace. and God, you can just help us in, in such a, a murky water of social media, God. It's so hard to navigate, and culture is shifting and changing so rapidly. And what does it look like in this day and age? God, I ask that you would help us bring light to our situation today. In Jesus' name, I pray, let the church say, amen. 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 Now, just by a show of hands today, how many of you actually have a social media account? One of them. Uh, yes, I'm including LinkedIn as social media. So raise your hand again, social media. Good. Okay. How many of you don't? Anyone in the room that does not have a social... Oh, look how proud they are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because Stephen's raising his hands twice. This side, eight. Okay. I, I like social media. I'm like, you know, most people are on social media these days. And I'm like a mermaid, Ariel. I want to be where the people are. <laughs> I want to see them dancing on, what do you call them? Feet. You know, I, I just, I just want to, I want to be where the people are and the people are on social media. You know what I mean? So if you're anti-social media, that's fine. You can live alone all you want. But there's some, there's some value to social media we're going to talk about. Uh, speaking of social media, anyone like reality TV? Yeah? I feel Okay, I, I heard a very adamant no. On the front row, blue shirt. <laughs> Who here hates social media? Let's go ahead and just shame, public shame you right now. It, who hates social media? Sherry, raise your hand. She's like, I mean, let me backtrack. Okay, you don't love it, don't hate it, it's just... Okay, there's a few. Social, I mean, reality TV. Let me give you a few examples. I just wanted to challenge the people who say they don't like it. Um, if you don't like reality TV, do you like Survivor? No. The Bachelor? <laughs> Bachelorette. <laughs> we got some saved people here today. American Idol. 
Okay. The auditions only, then you stop watching. Some of those, some of those cats really need a mom or dad to be honest with them. You know what I mean? I'm serious. Like, no, don't. Um, let's see. The Biggest Loser. Anybody get motivated? You sitting there eating your chips watching The Biggest Loser just like me. I know. It's reality TV. It's reality for them, not for me. The Biggest Loser. Uh, what about So You Think You Can Dance? I've, sadly, I have been into all of these that I'm listing, except The Bachelorette and The Bachelor. I didn't really watch that. No, that's a lie. I did. I did watch a, a season of that. Uh, Big Brother. Big Brother came on the scene in 1999. It was one of the first. Anyone? Big Brother. It's still going strong. Uh, what about The Amazing Race? Okay. Uh, what, I'm, I'm really embarrassed to admit that I watched this. Dance Moms. We, no, we stopped. I don't still watch it. I just could not believe that we're, there were real humans like that. Dance moms. Okay, and then also, I'm, I still watch this often in any form of it, quite honestly. Top Chef, Master Chef, these little nine-year-olds that cook better than anybody I've ever seen. I will sit and watch that, get inspired, and then I'll go to my pantry and I'll pull out the pinto beans and I don't really know what to do. Uh, I like reality TV. Uh, in 2016, 2017, our family was interviewed by a casting director in California for a reality show for our family. Um, we did not pass the interview, thank you, Jesus, uh, because we were a bit too functional uh, for them. I think they were looking for more dysfunction. They pulled our kids alone and was asking if there were any secrets and anything that they don't like about the church. And I, we went into it thinking, oh, this could be really a good witness, but uh, now I understand that reality TV sells on drama. Yeah. And so we didn't, we didn't make the cut, and I'm not, I'm not sad about that. Do you ever feel like your life is a reality TV? Yeah, yeah it's like, where are the cameramen right now? <laughs> Somebody has orchestrate, orchestrated this day to just mess me up, like to throw me off. It's a series of mishaps and ridiculousness just to, you know, increase ratings for my life. I feel that. Um, useless trivia of the day. I hate that I'm talking so much about reality TV, but let's just lay it all out there. <laughs> useless trivia. When do you think reality TV started? In what year would you guess that reality TV started? 19, it is in the 1900s, yes. I think the TV was created in 1927, so that would make some sense. 19 what? 1973, going what's what? 85. What? 70s. Oh my, please stand up. Please stand up. Candid camera in 1948. Anybody have any money they can give this young man? Because I am flat broke. Mama's going to take you to lunch, son. <laughs> Reality TV first began in 1948 with Candid Camera. It was actually called Candid Mike in 1948. The following year, it was called Candid camera. That's what kicked off reality TV. And then from there on, it, it continued to grow. In 1965, 
was the American Sportsman. It followed three men around doing outdoorsy stuff. And then in 1973, someone said that year, that was an important year for reality TV, uh, the American and American family showed a middle-class family. The goal was just to show a middle-class family and how they interact, but the truth is it was a very sad story and it showed this family unraveling. It showed a series of marital issues, emotional issues in the family, and then it just continued to go on from there into what we now see as reality TV. Society, quite honestly, is obsessed with reality TV. Now, I spent so much time on that because I need us to understand that social media is inspired and powered by a reality TV culture. You can log on to social media any moment of any day and peer into the lives of real, ridiculous, crazy people. (laughs) Any time of day, right? You can grab some popcorn and watch drama unfold in any neighborhood group. I had to unsubscribe from my own neighborhood group because it made me, I about lost my religion multiple times because the comments were so ridiculous. Made me angry. People would argue about anything and everything and the comments were so bizarre It lacked decency and it lacked common sense. And here's the scary part, folks. These are real people in society. They're walking among us. (laughs) I started having people PTSD. I would go to Walmart and wonder, are you the person on Pflugerville Neighbors? Now, if I'm coming across as a social media genius right now, don't be fooled, because I'm not. The truth is, I was, I was once that ridiculous guy. I've used social media well, and I've used it recklessly and irresponsibly. I've lost friends, I've lost church members, I've lost acquaintances, potential friends, I've lost influence, and I've even lost myself on social media. So much so that I I was a little antsy doing this series because, like, I don't have a real proven track record. I mean, in the last several months, I've come completely off of social media because I didn't have the margin in my life or my emotions to even handle the ridiculousness. So how do I stand before you now today and tell you how to handle social media when it's been really hard for even myself. My social media woes began in 2003 on MySpace. (laughs) They had this function where you could list your top eight friends. And I was so manipulative and controlling. I would have top eight friends And then somebody couldn't hang out that week. That's no problem. You went from a number two to a number seven. Do better. Do better. Anyone remember the MySpace days where you'd go to your friend's page and you're like, where do I stand today? What's the ranking? Like it was was incredibly unhealthy, right? It started back then. Then came Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I've engaged in some arguments that never changed the world. I have never known 
anyone to change the world on social media. Let me say that one more time. Or turn your volume up over there and it'll be coming around. I have, n <laughs> I have never known anyone to change the world on social media. But what I did, what I did succeed at doing is build my own ego and hurt others. I've also let social media color my perspective of you. I found it very difficult to pastor people that I see face to face and then I see their social media. So not only have I made myself look bad, I've allowed social media to make you look bad to me. How much power have I given this thing called social media? Now, I've taken time off from social media. You'll see me on there these days sharing church stuff, sharing my fitness journey, uh, sharing maybe some quotes or some good things here and there very randomly. But what I don't really do is scroll. So if I've missed, missed your birthday, missed your surgery, missed a big event in your life, I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me. I just can't scroll these days. I value my peace too much. I love you, but if I need to know something about you, I trust that you'll email me, you'll catch me in the hall, you'll show up to church, you'll nudge me, you'll remind me. But my lack of knowledge has no, no bearing on how much I love you. Can we just say that's okay? So those of you taking notes, just go ahead and write down that my birthday is September 19th. <laughs> The truth is, I'm still figuring out who I am on social media, who I want to be, and how I want to show up for my digital neighbors. I'm trying to figure all that out. But I have learned some things, and I have leaned into Scripture, and I kind of know what God is telling me and saying about it. So I want to give that to you today in our remaining time. I want to help you gauge whether your relationship with social media is healthy or not. This is a test. You don't have to show your answers to anyone else, but I'm going to help you know if it's working for you. The, the truth is, if we're unhealthy with our use of social media, we will see no fruit from it. And if we're going to be spending three and a half hours a day on social media, which most of you are, I know everyone will say, not me, not me. Look at your screen time. Because the average social media user spends three and a half hours a day on social media. If you're going to spend that much time, if you're going to invest that much time in an app, let's at least make it fruitful in our life. Amen? They do say that people who spend three and a half hours on social media increases by 16 to 77% the likelihood of anxiety and depression. You might find if you're in emotional turmoil, one of the first easy things you can do aside from diet and sleep and exercise is fast social media. Take a break, take three days off of social media completely. You'll go through the withdrawal spells, but you might just find that it calibrates your system because we do know that social media constantly scrolling is linked to anxiety and depression. Now, again, I'm not anti-social media. Pastor Trey loves social media. 
It is the biggest communication shift in 500 years that we have seen. Never before have we been able to reach and touch and connect with so many people globally around the world. I mean, even with the phone, you, you could only talk with one person until they had like call waiting. Then you could talk to two people different times. Then they had the group calling. But we're talking about social media where I can show photos of my family, my grandbabies, my, my three miles and sweat dripping off my face to literally millions of people at once. This is a huge communication shift. So if it's that big in society, I might want to know how to handle it God's way. Five tests of social media health. Five tests of social media health. Number one. Number one. Do we notice longings of the heart? When you're on social media, do you notice longings of the heart? Luke 12, 15 says, He said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Covetousness. What is covetousness? Covetousness is the desire or desires that lead us away from God rather than toward him. So when you're on social media, do you notice that longings begin to stir in your heart for things that take you away from God? More things, more possessions, more money. We often will chase after what's going on in someone else's life rather than what God is trying to do in our own life. Now, we just came out of a series on feelings, and you know that one of the roots of the heart that keeps us healthy is longings. Do you remember this? Our heart has needs, it has desires, it has longings, it has hope. Longings. Longings are those things that, rightfully so, will never be fulfilled in your life. I long for world peace. Will there ever be world peace? No. Well, technically, yes. When Jesus comes back to reign, there will be world peace, but not until then. I long for babies and kids and people to not die from cancer. I long for that. Now, maybe, maybe there will be a cure someday, maybe. But in my lifetime, I'm not sure. That's a longing. That's a, a righteous, holy, loving, compassionate longing. The longing is something that I, I hope and I pray for, but I may never see it. When I get on social media, do I notice some other longings? Like passions to run after more wealth. It's never enough. Never good enough. I never look good enough. I'm never fit enough. I never eat well enough. I'm never skinny enough. You know, all of these, these things become longings. Then I know that social media is unhealthy for me. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money. It does not say keep your life free of money. Can I get a Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. But keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Contentment. When you leave the app, are you content? Are you filled with more joy? Are you content on where you are in life and what God is doing in your world? Okay, that's test number one. Some of you already know that you should be taking a social media break. Because you're not content. You're always running after that next thing. Question number two. The second test for social media health 
Are we searching for validation? Am I searching for validation? Am I confusing likes for love? If my post doesn't do as well, I I really thought, I, I put a post out there two days ago. I'm surprised every one of you didn't like it. Honestly, it was me. I had run three miles. Last time I ran three miles, I had like 10,000 people like it. Then I ran another three miles. I know the time wasn't that great, but I added a little devotion, a little something, something about Jesus, and I got seven people that liked it. I'm like, is it because I added Jesus or because my time was worse? I'm not sure. If you're Post doesn't do as well as you thought. Are you okay with that? (laughs) Someone is so honest here today. We should just have the altar call right now. Is your mood elevated when people like, when you see the likes going up, do you get excited? Do you go back often to see how many people like it? I, I know we get in that habit. We, we need that validation. I mean, you spent so much time on the 360 turn to catch the best lighting for that Instagram photo and bam, you took it. You want to see how many people like it and you had the best caption. So clever, young adults, you're so clever with your captions. Oh my gosh, I don't know how clever you get. Are you looking for validation in that? As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are called to find the fullness of who we are in Christ. Now, I don't mean that you shouldn't try to be more effective, Greg. Greg is over our social media, and he's constantly talking to me about A-B testing. Who knows what A-B testing is? Okay, good. A lot of the business leaders understand you throw out two posts, an A post and a B post, and you see which gets the most hits. Then you modify it, and, and you do the B post, and then you modify that one into two different versions. See which It's like you're constantly fine-tuning because you want your social media to be effective. You want it to have reach. You want it to have traction, right? Otherwise, what's the point? You, you want to be an influence on people. I'm not at all saying that you should not try to be better, and to do better. But it shouldn't be so that you get all of your self-worth from the response of your A-B testing. You're loved by Jesus. You're loved in community. You're loved when you find an authentic connection. You are not loved by likes. In fact, social media validation in some ways has really distorted our view of love, of validation, proper validation. It has turned the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ on its head. We have learned from social media that if we portray things just right, that people will embrace us and people will love us. If I use the right filter, I'll get more engagement and people will say yes to me. If I use the right language in the post and I move people's heart, maybe make them cry, then they'll embrace, maybe they'll share it. Maybe it'll go viral because I'm just so intelligent. We're always working for that validation. We're working for that affirmation. We're working for that acceptance. But that's not how the kingdom works. 
Romans 5, 8 tells us that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While you and I were still sinners, before we had the filter, before we had the perfect lighting, before we had the, the great quote, before we had the perfect caption, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel message. You don't have to earn your way into the kingdom. You don't have to earn your way to be accepted and loved by your creator. And so we have to be careful that social media isn't the place that we're going to look for validation. When we adopted our kids, quick little story. We adopted Addison, Jordan, and Tristan. Our home changed overnight. They had spent years in the foster care system. And Carrie and I thought we were pretty good parents. We, we had raised two decent kids. We were raising two decent, God-honoring, good citizen three kids, Mike and Michaela, and Things were great. We thought we had a lot of love to give. And then we brought Addison, Jordan, and Tristan into our home. And our, our little idea of how perfect we are was shattered. We suddenly felt not good enough. We felt like we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we, in a moment, we brought in lying, cheating, stealing into our home. And, and this is a family discussion. We, my kids know this. We talk about it. We almost laugh about it together now because our kids are fantastic and wonderful and God has done a work in them and they have done the hard work uh, to be who they are today. Uh, but in those initial days of 2010, 2009 and 2010, we were launching this church and man, God really sustained what was going on here because the truth is our family was, was falling apart, coming undone at the seams. There was a grace on the church. I don't even know how the church grew, to be honest, initially, because all of our time and our effort and our attention was on keeping our family together. We went to so many conferences, Carrie and I. We read so many books about parenting. We read this one book. I think we might have it out there. Beyond Consequences, Logic, and Control. Changed our parenting style. We were used to, in our home, uh, if you lie, you get in double trouble. Our kids, Mike and Michaela, they didn't lie because they knew if you lie, you get in double trouble. Well, Addison, Jordan, and Tristan, that didn't work for them. Lying was their way to stay alive. If they didn't lie in foster care, they would die. Like It was literally a life and death issue for them. And so you couldn't just say, hey, you're a rose now. We don't lie. Like It, it had just become a part of who they are. So all of our... Clever tactics had failed. We didn't know what to do. We read this book and it said something utterly ridiculous. And it ticked me off. And it said, what you got to do is call the child in and tell them, you're in a safe space. Don't worry. You're not going anywhere. Just tell me the truth. And oh, and by the way, all those lies, you're not going to have any consequences. You just be honest with me right now and it's all good. And I read that and I looked at my wife and I said, that's ridiculous. No consequences for lying? Safe space? What are you talking? 
We feed them three meals a day. We lock the doors at night. They know this is a safe space. I was mad. I was mad, but I was also at the end of myself. So we tried it. We were probably six to nine months into this adoption, had not gotten the truth from any of them even once. Poor Jordan. He didn't even lie smartly. (laughs) Addison was pretty smart, like, wasn't sure. Is she lying? No, she's lying. Is she? I don't know. Jordan is just like the chips or the crumbs. Actually, this is a true story. He took out a cake to the dumpster, came back with blue icing, smeared all right here. And I said, did you eat that cake? No. Mm-mm. No, I didn't eat the cake. Stick out your tongue, Jordan. And it, his tongue is bright blue. I'm like, did you taste the ants in that cake when you were eating that cake? I told you to take it out because it was old and, you know, My son needed to learn how to lie before we could correct the lying. (laughs) We called Jordan into my bedroom, Carrie and I sitting on the bed, and I'm biting my tongue. I said, Jordan, this is a safe space. Jordan, you're, you're not going anywhere, son. We love you. I just want to know the truth. And wait, I don't care if it's a lie. If you told me it's a lie, there will be no consequences. I just, you know, this is a safe space. And I just want to know, did you do this? Yep, I did. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Jordan. You can step out. He walks out of the room. Carrie and I look at each other, and we silently start jumping on the bed. We are so excited. We found something that had worked with him. And then we thought, let's crack the bigger case. Call in Addison. (laughs) So we called in Addison, went through the same thing. This time I let Carrie try it, and she said, Addison, this is a safe space. Went through the whole three lines that I knew was not going to work. Asked her the question. Had never gotten the truth. And she gave the truth in that truth. She gave the truth in that moment. She walked out and Carrie and I, our lives were changed. We realized that people just need to feel safe to be vulnerable and real and honest. On social media, you're looking for all the validation by putting your best foot forward in a land that's never going to be safe for you. Point number three, because I'm almost out of time, let me move on. M, how much time do we spend venting? Venting. How much time do we spend venting? Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Now, I know that we just came out of a feelings series, and I encouraged you all to be vulnerable, and this may feel like a conflict of interest here, uh, but it's not. I'm saying we got to keep some things in check. Some of us think that Social media is a public diary, and it's not. Somebody should know everything about you, but everybody doesn't need to know everything about you. 
Complaining online begs for attention. But there's a difference between complaining and sharing. Sharing some of your pain can be purposeful in helping other people, someone else that's in the same boat, go through their journey of healing. Loss, when you go through loss, that's a great thing to share on social media. You can honor memories. You can honor the love that you had for someone. But betrayal? If you've been betrayed, get the heck offline with that mess. Be kind enough to yourself to heal offline from betrayal. One of the greatest things, greatest decisions I've ever made is in a very big time in the history of my life, massive, massive betrayal happened to me, and I chose not to speak. I chose not to defend. I chose not to make the other person. I chose to pastor the person that was betraying me by protecting them, even though I knew what really went down. I knew that that person secretly called me to repent, but never told anyone else that he talked to that he was wrong. But I held my peace. And I didn't go on social media, and I didn't get passive-aggressive. There may have been a time or two that I crossed the line, that I dipped my toe in the water because I was hurting, but I'm really proud of the time that I held self-control in betrayal. Be kind enough to yourself to heal offline. If you could start your post with, I just need to get something off my chest. (laughs) Go ahead and just grab a journal. (laughs) If your post can start that way, grab a journal and a pen. You need some time with Jesus and some worship music and maybe a pool setting, maybe even a beach, maybe Paris. I don't know what you need, (laughs) but what you don't need in that moment is technology. There are some things we lay before our social media friends that was meant to only be laid by the Lord in prayer. Our prayer life, I believe, is suffering because we have given to the altar of social media which should have been given to the altar of prayer. Number four, check up. Am I comparing? Am I comparing? We all know that comparing is bad, but when you're just scrolling, looking through, and, oh, that, that person's kids look so obedient. I wish my kids were obedient like that. Oh, oh, that person's spouse, oh, they clean house. I wish mine cleaned house. Oh, they, they actually cook. I, you said it, not me. They actually cook. I wish my spouse would cook. My spouse cooks, but you know what I'm saying. We just compare. We compare everyone else's highlight reel our daily practice. Good grief. Everybody spends so much time creating the perfect post, and I'm just going to look at my, my warm-up suit, my practice, my sweaty self, you know, out on the football field preparing for a game while I'm looking at everyone else's game day photos. Compare apples to apples. Don't get so caught up in looking at everyone else's highlight reel that I get discouraged on my behind the scenes. I mean, Comparison is the enemy to contentment. Why am I not going to the mountains and climbing some rocks? Why, why is my family not going to Costa Rica and ziplining through the forest? Why doesn't my boyfriend do this for me? 
Why doesn't my girlfriend do this for me? So the question you need to ask yourself is, how do you feel after being on social media? How do you feel? You could feel motivated, inspired, or you could feel condemned. Maybe if you're looking at other people in Costa Rica, maybe you just get motivated to save more. That's great. Do it. Squeeze more out of life. Get all that you can. I hope I, hope I inspire you to run. I hope you do better than I'm doing. But I hope I inspire you to make better health decisions with your food. I do. I really do. I hope that I inspire you to maybe set down some addictions. Maybe lessen the alcohol. Don't let alcohol control your life. Make some healthy decisions for yourself. I hope that the story of my life, the history of Trey Rose somehow influences you and motivates you to be better, to to grow better. But don't let the story of Trey Rose ever be the story that makes you feel small. Romans 12, 6 through 8. It says that you have a gift and it's different according to the grace given to you. We all have different gifts. Every one of us, we have different struggles. We have different gifts. We have different failures. We have different victories. And mine is no better than yours, and yours is no better than mine. And guess what? Yours is no worse than mine, and mine is no worse than yours. We are one. And when I compare myself against you, or you compare yourself against me, it puts us in the corner of a boxing ring that God never intended for us to be. My final point the fifth thing to ask yourself to gauge your health on social media. Am I distracted? Am I distracted? We will often use social media to disconnect from purpose and from people. If you have ever said no to a function in person, and spent the equal amount of time in your bed scrolling, social media has robbed you of connection. Have we lost our sense of purpose when we scroll? Share your accomplishments online. Share your slice of meat lover's pizza. Share your joy. But whatever you share, don't lose focus of your purpose. Is what I'm typing right now honoring God? Like 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Does this post or comment on a thread, reflect the heart of Jesus. Are you distracted? Have you fallen in love with your D? 
digital neighbor so much that it has become a substitute for in-person, face-to-face connection. By the way, on social media, we should share, not debate. I've noticed that no one shows up to the digital neighborhood anymore just to share the heart. They just want their voice to be heard. They just want their political party to win. They just want their race and gender and sexual stuff and all the things that they're so invested in to be the center of your world because it's mine. They just show up with an agenda, but just, can we just show up with our heart? I am convinced, I am so convinced that the world would see a revolution of godly love and connection if we would just allow Holy Spirit to sweep the earth and change people rather than us feel the need to make people conform to his image. Am I distracted? I think the biggest distractions for me online is that I often forget that every person, every label represents a human heart. I look at what someone has said and I think they're a moron. That's so dumb. How could they think that? What an idiot. Am I the only one that thinks that? but that's actually someone that Jesus died for. And every time I see them through the lens of an idiot, I've lost my purpose. I have become desensitized to the sacred moments of life. Where God sends me to the nations, he sends me across the street, he sends me to hearts that are hurting. What a sacred call you and I have to reach the world. And yet we have allowed social media to rob us of our purpose. Will you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you and your social media engagement, especially as we head into Easter, that you will find a way just to be an encouragement, to share joy with other people, to share the truth of Jesus Christ with other people online and through social media. Maybe that this week will be a week of restraint for you, self-control for you. Maybe you will spend more time in your journal than scrolling online. Father, in Jesus' name, every person in the room, The truth is we all want to be known. We all want to be seen. We all want to be a person of value, a person of importance. God, I ask that we would go to you for that. God, I ask that we would go to authentic connection for that, face-to-face relationship for that.
that we wouldn't chase it through the screen, through the bits of ones and zeros, but God, we would chase you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Next week, we're going to continue to talk about social media. I'll leave you with the most important bit of advice today, and that is don't feed the trolls. We love you guys. We'll see you next week, 10.30 a.m. We'll see you at Awaken this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. And youth is at 7. Thank you for being at church. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. God bless you.